Hello and welcome to the tech.eu weekly podcast with myself, Neil Murray and Roxanne Vasa. Hi, Roxanne. Hi, Neil. So this week, we have some great topics lined up. We'll take a look at the late stage funding situation in Europe and the opportunity there. We'll discuss some of France's top e-commerce plays, including a not-based company called Lengo, who recently announced another round of funding and some great expansion. And we'll also talk about Silicon Valley Bank's Bindi Caria moving on to work on something new and some updates from tech.eu. So let's start with the opportunity in late stage funding. We've recently started to pay a lot more attention to some of the holes or gaps in the funding landscape in Europe, particularly with late stage funding. London-based VC Atomico helped us to evaluate the situation, the opportunity. And Neil, you've done a lot of work on this topic with regards to funding in Europe. You mentioned that in Q2, startups raised substantially more capital than what was available through European VCs. So what's going on there? What's happening? Yeah, we've touched on this before on the podcast, just in fact, in terms of what had been raised and what funds had raised. And there's like a gap, I think it's about 1.5 billion euros, like a huge gap in terms of how much funds are raising in Europe compared to how much our companies are raising. So clearly, we are raising those later stage funds from somewhere else. And normally, it's the US. Um, but basically spurred on by this point that we raised previously, Tom, who's head of research at Atomico, dug into it a little bit further. So he had a look at what the size of the gap was, why it was occurring, and basically what the opportunity is around it as well. Um, and some of his, well, I guess it was three key discoveries. And they were that early stage funding isn't typically aligned with the opportunity in Europe, but later stage funding isn't. And the gap between Europe and the US is about times 14 when it comes to rounds that are Series B and onwards. So a huge gap compared to the US. Basically, the shortfall between the funds being raised versus the venture capital which is coming into Europe is also increasing. So not only do we have this huge gap and this huge shortfall, but it's actually getting bigger, which is perhaps rather alarming. And only 30% of rounds from Series B onwards in the first half of this year consisted of all European investors. So that really shows you exactly what the picture is like right now. So I think also you wrote a great piece on this, obviously, on tech.eu, and you summed up also the opportunity that's there. You mentioned something actually very interesting with regards to billion-dollar valuations. Yeah, so that was actually in terms of the when they were founded. So I think it's 97% of Europe's billion-dollar companies were founded in 2011 or earlier. So, I mean, a lot of people took this the wrong way and were saying, oh, well, that's rubbish. But actually, it's not. It's great. This shows the potential of what's going to happen in the next year or so. Typically, it takes about six years from being founded to achieving a billion-dollar valuation. So it's likely that actually in the next couple of years, we're going to see an explosion because it takes time for those companies that have been founded in these years to come through. And as European companies have been raising more capital in the last couple of years, it's clear that we're going to have more and more and more billion-dollar-valued companies. So actually, we're going to likely see a huge explosion in the amount of unicorns that come through. So that 97% of all being founded before 2011, it isn't a bad thing at all. It just shows how big the potential is. 
And then I guess continuing kind of on the theme of the opportunity, we've seen an increase in the number of A and B rounds in Europe. We've also had some information with regards to valuation and exit activity. What do you have there? Yeah, so, well, A rounds have actually doubled. So the number that go on to successfully raise Series A has actually gone up twice, a multiple of twice in the last four years. And Series B is almost double as well. It's at 1.7. So clearly there's this huge pipeline of companies that are coming through. Again, which points to the fact that the next couple of years we'll see a lot more companies achieving that billion-dollar valuation. But also we have a cheaper entry point for investors as well. So the median pre-money valuation by round in Europe compared to the US is considerably lower. So a lot more attractive for investors. So that's definitely an opportunity from their point of view. And just to throw a few numbers in, at seed, the median is 2 million in Europe and 5 million in the US. And at Series A, it's 7 million in Europe and 13 million in the US. But most importantly, perhaps, Europe's also delivering when it comes to exit activity. Um, And we're more than holding our own compared to the US and Asia. So of the billion dollar companies, if you look at their operating status, 48% of our billion dollar companies have exited. And that is lower than America and Asia, but only just. So it's 51% in the US and 54% in Asia. So yeah, still slightly lower. But the thing is, we're delivering an end product. 48% of billion dollar companies are exiting. And so obviously, we've kind of gone over all the bits and pieces. So there's a huge opportunity there. And you mentioned earlier that when it comes to late stage funding, this opportunity is being filled right now by foreign VCs and investors. Are we expecting this to continue? Yeah, I think we will see more funds from outside of Europe focus on filling that gap. But I I do also feel that there's a strong need for European funds to be doing that as well. So hopefully we will see some bigger or later stage funds, because I do think we need some kind of local funds doing that, being able to spot the opportunity and go through with them a little bit. I think it would be nice if we had European funds doing that. But in the meantime, like I said, the gap is actually getting bigger. So someone needs to fill it. So if that is done by US investors, then that's great as well, because essentially we need that capital to build billion dollar companies. Without capital, you can't build a billion dollar company. So it has to come from somewhere. I've noticed, at least on on my end in France, it feels like that that gap at least is starting to be addressed. We had some funds announced, late stage funds earlier this year, like Partech. We have BPI France that is a historical player in late stage investments. They continue to be very strong there. We've also mentioned on the podcast previously that Rocket is going after this space. So do you think that we'll continue to see a lot of foreign investment coming in? Or do you think that maybe we're starting to grasp the situation? Yeah, I think we have done better. And in fairness, even though the gap is increasing, funds are also increasing. It just so happens that we need more capital. So the gap is increasing because of that, not because the funds aren't increasing as well. And to an extent, Europe has, you know, we've got more and more funds popping up, especially this year, but they are still focusing on the early stage. So I think for now, we need quite a lot of help from outside of Europe to fill that gap. Great. And so now we'll turn our attention to some of France's e-commerce players. France had quite a few big e-commerce success stories. I think one of the best-known star companies mentioned is private sales site Vendprivé. A few years ago, they had a $2 billion acquisition offer from Amazon that actually never panned out. Uh, France is also obviously a very strong player when it comes to retail, I think because of its connections with luxury and fashion and what have you. So it would only make sense that we have some of the leading e-commerce plays in Europe be in France. So last week, we actually had one company based in Nantes, which is uh, northwestern France, 
of Lengo, they announced a new round of funding. They've had some really impressive growth. So they raised an initial round of roughly 1 million in 2011 when they had only 11 employees. And today the company is developing the software used by over 3,500 companies, some companies like Loyal or Made.com to make their product catalogs and services for online. So they manage them using the Lengo product. So with this new 10 million euro funding, Lengo is actually planning to develop quite a bit. So they're already available in 45 different countries. Doesn't mean they necessarily have offices there. A lot of their businesses run from France, but they're also planning to double their 100 person team within the next year. So quite an aggressive growth strategy. One thing that they mentioned though, that I think was really interesting, it kind of caught my eye was that They're planning some strategic acquisitions in countries like the U.S., U.K., Germany, and they've also mentioned Asia, which came as kind of a nice surprise because I feel like we still don't really have a strong acquisition culture in Europe. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think I do to an extent. I mean, I do think it's rare that that you see companies like at least actively and openly talking about strategies such as that. It makes a lot of sense, especially when you are moving into a new market that you buy kind of a a competitor or someone who's already in that space to get a foothold in the market. I think it it is very much something you see happening in the US regularly. And American and Asian companies do it in Europe. You know, they acquire our companies to get a foothold in our market. But I do think that within Europe, we're not so strong at that. But I think where we do occasionally see it happen is in oversaturated markets. And then it's like a to raise money and gobble each other up. And I think we do have that to an extent in Europe, but that's the only markets where you really see it happening. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point. I think the oversaturated comment is key on the money. So I actually had a chance this last week to talk to one of their investors. I spoke with uh, Jeremy Uzan from Alvin Capital. So Alvin has done some other really interesting investments. They were in Jodibox, which was acquired by Birchbox. They're in Drivey, which is a kind of Airbnb-style platform for people who want to rent their cars to one another. And he actually told me that both of these small companies, well, now they're not necessarily that small anymore, they were doing small acquisitions to grow their businesses. So I remember uh, Jody Box did an acquisition in UK and Spain, and I think they explored some other markets as well. And he mentioned that this was also the strategy for French car-sharing platform, which has grown into a huge success, that's BlaBlaCar. They acquired earlier this year Carpooling, which was their other big European rival. Yeah, that goes with what I'm saying in terms of the oversaturated markets, or maybe not oversaturated, but markets in which a lot of people are trying to attempt to do something in this area. And I've seen acquisitions happen in the car-sharing space elsewhere in Europe already this year. There was a Dutch company bought a Danish one. So I think that it does make sense when you're in those areas. And I think BlaBlaCar, actually, when I did the acquisition analysis for the first half of this year, I think they actually bought two or maybe even three companies. So they were one of the most active acquirers in Europe this year. So it definitely, to hear it is part of their strategy, I'm not so surprised. And so Alvin is actually an investor in other non-classical e-commerce plays. They recently invested in Iceberg Marketplace. I advise as well. So they kind of have a taste for e-commerce. But what was really interesting was when I talked to Jeremy, I had always had this impression that French VCs gravitate towards e-commerce. It looks like a kind of solid business model, revenue generating from day one, kind of that kind of thing. And he actually said it's not great in terms of exits. So he said that Alvin's strategy is very different. Obviously, they are going after e-commerce, but they're going after what he calls e-commerce with a twist. That was quite interesting. 
And so I think it's probably also worth mentioning, in addition to Lingo, another French e-commerce company we recently covered on tech.eu. So that's PrestaShop. The company's been around since 2007, raised over $9.3 million in funding. The company has over 100 employees still expanding their team. And essentially, their platform is to help independent merchants build online stores, I guess, similar to Amazon, eBay, Magento. So France has quite a few great e-commerce companies. I don't think we'll be able to name them all. We've talked about a few. We did uh, Vent Privé. I think another one probably worth mentioning is Excel Back Showroom Privé. We have Rocket that's in Vintressing. So these are a few that I think people are probably becoming more and more familiar with. What are some of the ones that you think we should be paying attention to outside of France? Outside of France, I mean, there's a couple that kind of immediately came to my mind, and they were Farfetch um, from the UK, and also Swedish Ticktail, who recently raised 22 million Series B. And the reason why I pull out Farfetch, are one of Europe's billion-dollar companies now, so it's easy one to pull out, perhaps. But the reason why I mentioned Ticktail is because, well, they're moving their focus completely. They're going all in in terms of uh, the mobile platform. And they're kind of almost m-commerce. And this is definitely a trend that I see more and more in Europe is this mobile commerce play. And although off the top of my head, I can't perhaps pull out some other key players in that industry, I certainly think it's worth looking out for m-commerce trend in Europe. And so now I think what we'll do is we'll conclude on the e-commerce topic and turn our attention to someone who has actually really grown in the European tech space, and that is Silicon Valley Bank's, or formerly Silicon Valley Bank's, Bendy Carrier. So uh, she recently announced that she's leaving Silicon Valley Bank to do something else that she hasn't yet disclosed. So she is well known in the British and European ecosystem, even though she's originally from Canada. We actually used to have quite similar roles at Microsoft. She obviously covered UK and I'm covering France, and that was prior to her joining Silicon Valley Bank as a VP in 2003. And so she hasn't yet disclosed what she'll be doing, but obviously she's mentioned she'll be staying in Europe, focusing on early stage startups, corporates and VCs. So I guess we'll have to stay tuned to see what she's going to be up to. Yeah, definitely. I think she's one of those people who has had such a like um, an influence on the European scene. I've actually never met her, but I know of her. I mean, whenever I speak to people at events, when I'm going to places, you know, I hear Bindi's name mentioned all of the time. Yeah, I've still never met her. So it's quite clear that she's had quite an influence and an impact in terms of what she's done. So she's certainly well connected as well. Well, my guess would be is that she's going to use that positioning or personal brand that she's built up to do the thing that she loves doing, like she says, focusing on early stage startups. So I imagine we'll see something in terms of her kind of using her network to build on that. Yeah, and I think in addition to her being uh, one of those names that just everybody seems to know Bindi, whether or not they've met her, they've definitely heard about her. I've also heard numerous women in all these different networks that we have come up to me and tell me, you know, they dream of meeting Bindi. They're really inspired by what she's doing. So I think she's kind of been a great model and person to have in the European ecosystem. So looking forward to see what she's going to be doing next. And so I think finally we'll conclude with some updates for our listeners on some tech.eu projects and news that we have. So we have an online survey that we would love reader and listener feedback on. So you guys can tell us everything about what you think, what we're doing. Are we doing things well, poorly? Should we be doing things differently, better? Um, So if you have the time, please go to tech.eu. Take a few moments to fill that out. And also, we will be traveling to Silicon Valley for what looks like a terrific event. So this is European Innovation Day on September 21st. Obviously, the whole team is not going, but Robin will, of course, be there. This event looks honestly just incredible. So we have some people that are going to be speaking there, including 
Dave McClure. They're apparently top execs from Google, Apple, Yelp, Airbnb. We have some of the European champs that everybody should know. So Klarna, Zalando, Prezi, SoundCloud, blah, blah, car. And I was surprised to see also some of these great politicians that we have working on digital in Europe. We're going to be having European Commissioner for Digital there, Italian Digital Champ, UK CTO, and even the Estonian President. So go Estonia. Yeah, I definitely think Robin is uh, looking forward to that trip. And I certainly would be with those speakers. So yeah, sounds good. So if you are over, then definitely check it out. And I think that's about it for this podcast. As Roxanne mentioned, please do fill out the survey. There is a question about the podcast, whether you've listened to it or not. So thank you to the ones that are listening. At least we know some people are. You can subscribe to the show to continue listening to it on SoundCloud and iTunes. We are obviously on tech.eu, the website, and on Twitter. Myself and Roxanne are at Neil S.W. Murray and at Roxanne Vaza. So please do reach us there for your feedback on the show as well. But that's all for this week's, and we'll be back next week. Thanks, Roxanne. Thanks, Neil.